irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Welcome back to another Max and Friends. Now, you know by now that if you're tuning in for the first time, well, if you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. We've been here for 12 years. Where have you been? But if you're tuning in for over the years, here's the joy of Max and Friends. We're now on every single podcasting platform, so be sure to find us there. Some of the shows are Max and Friends. Some of the shows are Max and Friends best of shows. And just enjoy. Enjoy the 12 years of total fun, of total revelations and conversations and joy and sorrow and laughter and peace. You know, I love peace. And I was looking up earlier the definition of peace. And to so many people, peace means so many different things, right? For the dictionary, peace means freedom from disturbance and then tranquility, a state or period in which there's no war or a war has ended. So what does peace mean to you? Tweet me, Instagram me, at Max Tucci, and let me know. We have a great guest joining us this evening, just a little bit. His name is Gary Knight. The book, Imagine, Reflections on Peace. We're going to talk about that just a little bit. I also have my mother on. Mama Gina's back because, you know, peace is really something that a lot of people strive for. A lot of people have. Some people don't want it. (laughs) Some people like to be uh, in a constant state of disturbance. Um, but some people really want freedom from disturbance. So if you're interested in peace during now, your life, the holidays, this moment, this silent war of coronavirus, whatever it is that you're going through and you just want peace, then sit back, relax, tune in, and tweet me or Instagram me at Max Tucci, and let's have the conversation. We're going to carry it online, and we're going to carry it here tonight on Max and Friends. But before we do that, welcome to the show, Mama Gina. Thank you, Max. I'm grateful that you're here. I'm delighted to be here. You know, it's been a minute since you're here, but one thing that I was asking you earlier is what does it mean to have peace for you? What does peace mean? Well, for me, I guess I learned it from my parents from an early age when we escaped from Lithuania uh, after the war or before the war. And uh, we we were in a uh, DP camp in Germany. And peace for us was that we didn't have the fear of communism, of, of soldiers knocking at the door and welcoming coming in and uh, becoming our uh, our friends, so to speak. So for me, it was learning not to have fear. Mm. Learning not to have fear. So fear from everything that was happening. I mean, you know, I know your story, but for those who don't, at a young age, you escaped Lithuania. And what's interesting about the book that we're talking about with the author Gary Knight, who's going to join us in just a moment, is that Imagine Reflections on Peace is a collection of first-person testimonials and photographs of some of the world's most violent war zones. So you lived through it. You were there. You experienced it as a child, escaping Lithuania, going to Germany, living in DP camps for years. What was, from your memory, something that gave you the most fear? The most fear was uh, not eating. (laughs) Maybe that's number two. Number one was uh, that I would be separated from my parents. Mm. And of course, number two is uh, food. Uh, that becomes very important when you have an empty shelf to look at or when you're standing on line for food and uh, you're three in the family, you get three boiled potatoes and if one is rotten, well, it's your bad luck. My father many a times gave me his potato to eat. So um, I I do remember uh, the fear in that and the fear of violence. And then you had shared stories also about bombs dropping. Give us a little bit of insight into 
your childhood and what that was like? Well, I was small and most of, I do remember a great deal from the uh, DP camps, the displaced persons camp. Um, but from my mother's uh, telling me the stories of how they used to hide in the bushes when the bombs came and my, and I would say, uh, bomba, bomba, you know, that was my first word, I think, which means bomb in Lithuanian. And um, uh, one of the bombs fell not too far from where we were hiding. And my uncle jumped on top of me uh, in order not to get a scrap. What is it called? A scrap, scrap metal. metal. Yeah, the scrap metal. Yeah. And he literally saved my life. He, he was hurt during that process. But uh, thank God he, he survived. So those are the stories, and you know, you just wish that will this will never happen again in in anyone's lifetime. It's mm. a horror that we we as Americans as don't really understand. Well, I think now you know with this whole coronavirus, we become it's like a I call it a global silent war. You know, because you never know when you're going to get attacked by it, if you're going to get it, where is it lurking? You know, it's kind of like the enemy <laughs> of the of the globe. And people have that fear. And I know that so many people want to have peace. So when is it that you feel you really found peace? When I found peace? I think when I came to America and um, my my father and I were walking on a street and I saw a policeman and I kind of held his hand and was shaking. And he said to me, don't be afraid. We're in America. There is peace here. We're in peace. And yeah. that word, I will, you know, I remember that so vividly, so vividly. And we're going back, you know, <laughs> many, many moons. When well, you know, happened. it's interesting that, you know, then police took on a different form than they do today. So I could understand why there was that notion of peace. But for so many in this country, police give them fear, anxiety, um, trauma, etc. So peace is something how did you did you carry peace into the rest of your life or were there times where you felt that you didn't have it and you were disconnected from it well i i sort of uh controlled my my uh feelings of of fear and violence and insecurity and uh, of course i did worry uh, a great deal um as i was becoming a teenager and an adult but uh, I always worried about something, you know, something that may that would not happen, but I would worry about it. And, mm. the, and the person who taught me not to do that was you. What is it that I taught you? Not 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 to worry about things that may not happen. Well, because then you're giving up your peace. Yeah. You know, and I also I always say where we are right now is exactly where we're supposed to be. And that gives me peace, constantly reminding myself that, you know, whatever circumstance or situation I'm going through, no experience is ever wasted. And I'm supposed to be in this moment and I can control through breath my reaction, maybe not the outcome of what's happening, but how I react to the outcome of what's happening. So peace, you know, I love to be in a state of peace. When you come to my house, as you know, it is like a total peaceful place. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> Harmony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, peace and harmony go hand in hand. And, you know, I always, it's total zen. I love being in, in the atmosphere of, of peace and calm and, and just relaxation. There's so much stress going on and really creating peace in my life is something that I enjoy doing. So I love music and I love peace. So there's a great song that we play here on Max and Friends called Peace from Sabrina Johnson. We're going to play that right now. Mama G, stay with us. And when we're back, Gary Knight is going to be with us. And for all of you who are tuning in, Google the book right now. Get the book right now. Go to Amazon. We're going to talk about it. Imagine Reflections on Peace by Gary Knight. And right now, Peace by Sabrina Johnson on Max and Friends.
Renegade Talk Radio. This is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. That was just a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit of peace by Sabrina Johnson. You know, there's so much to talk about here on the show tonight, so I, we have to cut the song short. But if you want to hear that song, it's one of my favorites because we have peace in the valley, peace in the city, and peace in your heart. How do you get that peace? Well, that's a great question that we're going to talk about tonight, and we're going to talk about peace just in general. Peace is a beautiful thing. Well, in an increasingly violent and chaotic world, one fueled by raging culture wars and civil strife, finding the courage to identify, envision, and cultivate peace can seem the most elusive of capabilities. How do you imagine hope in a seemingly hopeless situation? And once that hope is imagined, how do you manifest those dreams into a sustained reality? Well, without any further ado, I would like to invite my guest, the author of Imagine Reflections on Peace, Mr. Gary Knight. Welcome to Max and Friends, Gary Knight. We have to unmute you. <laughs> the joys of technology. Gary is actually in France right now, so we're we're getting all of this together. So he'll be with us in just a moment. And we're going to talk about peace here on Max and Friends. Mom, did you hear that song? From Sabrina Johnson, Peace? Yes, I did. Isn't it nice? Beautiful. Right? Get some peace up in there. All right. So Gary will be with us in just a moment. We're asking him to unmute his mic. We might have to call him back, Ronan, or he'll have to call in. But either way, I know he's here because I just spoke to him prior to the show. But the book, again, is called Imagine. Imagine. Mom, how did you imagine peace? Oh my, I don't know. I just imagine calmness, calmness and harmony and happiness. Well, you know, I always say it's a Bob Proctor thing, that if you can see it in your mind, you can create it in your reality. So welcome to the show, Gary Knight, the author of Imagine, Reflections on Peace. Hi, Max. Delighted to be here. Delighted to meet your mother also. Yeah, well, we're excited that you're here. You heard some of her story. And it's just one of many stories, I think, that you collected to, to put this book together. So give us the genesis of Gary Knight and why you decided to put together a book called Imagine Reflections on Peace. Well, I'd spent a number of years early on in my career as a, as a photojournalist um, covering war from Cambodia through Bosnia, um, Rwanda, also Lebanon, uh, most of the, the places in, in this book. And uh, it was after coming back from the invasion of Iraq in 2003 that I was sitting at home in the French countryside, actually, and, and wondering to myself, how on earth is peace going to be made uh, in that country? And, uh, and then I, you know, I started to look back at the, the wars that I'd covered in the previous years and thought, well, there's probably an awful lot to learn from many of these countries. And you know, maybe it'd be a good idea to go and have a look at them and see what we can uh, learn from them and see what lessons we can pass on. Wow. So some of my mom's stories, were those, do those echo some of the stories that are in the book? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was really struck by, by your, your mother talking about, you know, separation uh, and the anxiety of, of separation and, you know, arriving in a new country and being fearful as a child and uh and having to learn that, that that she was safe here and i think that that sort of the the it, it often takes that the first generation that lives through war need to really resolve um the issues of conflict and come to terms with it to be able to pass that on to the second generation the, the experience of the first generation is is really critical mom would you agree with that oh absolutely absolutely yeah. Well, it was an interesting journey that my mom had. You know, we often hear the story, but, you know, Gary, for us, it's a story. For my mom, it's her reality. So it's so odd sometimes to, you know, if we're out at dinner and we bring up the story and people right away, they're just like in shock that when they see my mother, that she had gone through that in her life and that, you know, she's just such now a happy person and enjoys living life. And they like, there's such a duality of her life in peace versus conflict and war. So what is it, Gary, to you? What is the definition of peace for you? Oh, that's such a great question, Max, isn't it? And, and, and I, like you, you know, looked at the definitions in the dictionaries and they sort of seem so inadequate to me. You know, they, 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 it was, peace was the absence of war, right? Peace, it was really the absence of something. It was a vacuum 
rather mm. than rather than being something. Um, and and that's one of the things that that intrigued me about it. Really, it's it's that um, peace. In many ways, you know, it is it is the great human ideal, um, but we struggle to define what it really is uh, when it comes down to it. And uh, and it's also something that we don't, I think, celebrate enough. Uh, I think we're full of celebration of of warriors and people who make war and win wars on our behalf, and uh, but we don't spend enough time reflecting on peace and and enough time really celebrating uh, the often ordinary people. Uh, who 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 make peace? Um, mm. Yeah. Well, for you, how do you reflect on peace? Uh, that's a that's a, a good question. You know, when I started the the the, the project, um, I didn't really know what we were going to find. To be honest with you, it, it was a it was a quite an adventure. Um, but what I've learned actually is that peace. Uh, I, I don't look at the sort of uh, the John Lennon sort of imagine story anymore <laughs> as much as I, I look at the sort of complexity and messiness and dirtiness of peace and the, the sort of grindingly hard work that it takes to make it actually, uh, which I think is a, is, 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 a, is a better way of looking at it. It's a sort of more realistic way of, of looking at it. I think for, for most of us, we, 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 we do, it's sort of this ephemeral uh, ideal um, when actually we, we should be looking at it as just something that uh, requires an awful amount of focus and uh, grindingly hard work. And that, that's how I see it these days. Mm, yeah, I see it also. You know, and it is the absolute freedom, I think, to be able to be in a place of not only peace in your mind, but peace in your whole spirit, your being, your body, your consciousness, your unconsciousness. And it's something that people strive for. We've been doing this show for 12 years, and we always talk about meditation and how to bring peace into the home. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time I'm ever even putting together reflections on peace. And what is it that we should be reflecting on that bring us peace? So I think it's a brilliant title, and it's one that makes me think. The book, Imagine Reflections on Peace. You can get it now on Amazon. I suggest you all go do it now. You know, the holidays are coming up. It's the perfect gift. You can actually give people's perception of peace this holiday season. So before we get into the book, let's talk about journalists, Um, because they're a bit preoccupied by war. But why is peace mostly undocumented? Why do we always go for the struggle and the war and the fighting and the ugliness instead of the peace and the joy and the serenity of things? There was a, a, a great friend of mine and one of my early mentors, Max, called Tim Page, a British photographer who covered the war in Vietnam, who uh, who once said, you can't take the glamour out of war. And and I think that, you know, war, it was very spectacular. Things are blowing up. Things are on fire. You have the mass migration of people. It's very kinetic. And it, it's actually, you know, quite easy to represent that, to describe that, to write about it, to film it. And mm. peace being this sort of vacuum, this absence of something is, is very hard to, to, to photograph. It's very hard to describe very often. Um, and, and I think, I think that's a big part of it. I think also, I think in a sense as journalists and as societies, when, when a peace process is made and the, you know, the ink is drying on the paper and (laughs) we photograph the great and the good, uh, we all turn away and look at the next conflict and we, we, we stop looking because we think the problem is solved. But actually, once that you know, ink has dried on the paper, on the peace treaty, that's really where the hard work uh, often begins. Mm. Yeah, you know, war is much like sex. It sells. You know, peace totally. gets a little bit boring. So how many times <laughs> can you just see a bunch of people sitting in circles meditating and the world coming together? It's, it's not sensational. Totally. Right. Peace is like yeah. a marriage, right? And, yeah. uh, you know, and war is like your first date. So. Right. Or an affair. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, it's, you know, it's fascinating. And putting this book together, how did you, I mean, there's so many great contributors, both uh, photographers as well as journalists and eyewitnesses and survivors. How did you pick these individuals to be part of your book? It must have been a really interesting uh, journey for you to, to pick them. 
Yeah, totally. And very exciting to work with them, actually, because there are some you know, really incredible people involved. They're very brilliant people. So we, we started with the journalists and the photographers, and we chose their principally people who had covered these wars and covered them well and remained in contact with the, uh, the countries. Um, or in a, case, in a couple of cases um, where, we, where we couldn't do that, we had young uh, photographers who had, you know, focused on these stories, focused on these wars for a very long time. So that that was, you know, uh, very interesting, quite straightforward. But we very soon realized that we needed other voices too. And amongst them, we needed experts, people from po the political life who had negotiated peace treaties like Jonathan Powell, Samantha Power. Um, we have a chief justice of the war crimes tribunal in there, Richard Goldstone. So we have this layer of, of, of experts from, from the life of politics and civil society. And mm. then perhaps most interesting for us actually was introducing the voices, voices like your mother, um, local people, ordinary people who had lived through the experience of war um, mm. in their own countries and could tell us what that experience was really like from, from their own perspective, not from a, an outsider's perspective or from a cerebral, um, you know, political perspective, but from the perspective of somebody who, like your mum, was hiding in a ditch, is, you know, uh, hiding from bombs and living in a, in, a, in a displaced person camp. And I think for us, many, those voices are, are some of the most, uh, the most exciting and interesting in the book. Mm. Now, the book, Imagine, focuses on six distant distinct countries. Why did you yeah. pick Bosnia? Why did you pick Cambodia? And Lebanon is some of them. Well, we thought that these countries um, had something to say. They were, they were in many ways metaphors. Um, and that was one of the reasons, Max. And then another one was that these were countries in recent history that we, we thought that you know, readers of the book uh, would recall, you know, having having mm -hmm. uh, listened to stories on the radio or read about them in magazines, watched them on TV, etc. Um, so, and there were stories that that we had covered ourselves, so we had a, an intimate knowledge of them. Um, so, so that was the reason. There were other other places, of course, that we mm -hmm. could have chosen, but these these were the ones that uh, spoke to us the most. You know, Rwanda's one that speaks to me the most, just because I remember yes. it so vividly. And also, Hotel Rwanda is something that you know, once you see it, it it etches a, a memory in your brain to understand what was going on and something that was going on literally right during our lifetime. I mean, we could turn on the TV and see what was happening and the amount of people that were that were murdered and killed in such a short period of time was just to me something that I can't believe I witnessed. It was really a, a frightening um a frightening sabotage towards towards humanity. But um you know speaking of people's stories, mom you're still with us. So I just want you to share with Gary one of your stories about um going on the train, that infamous train that turned out for you to be your gift to life and for your relatives thinking it was your last trip. So mom, just share that story for those of you listening tonight. We're talking about peace. We're talking about the book, Imagine, P Reflections on Peace. The author is Gary Knight. Get the book now. But right now, my mom, fill us in on your story, mom, of that moment, because I know that when it was over, peace was something that I think gravitated dearly to you, to your mother, and to your father. Tell us about that journey. Well, we were on going on this train, and of course there were hundreds of people getting in, in into the cars, and uh, my mother was holding me, and my father was with my uncle, and, you know, we were, we were among so many people that my mother lost sight of my father and my uncle, and they, she came, the train came to a station, and it stopped, and all of a sudden, my mother said it was some like something body was pushing her out. And, and she just felt this force. And, and she's saying to herself, what am I doing? What am I doing? And there she was on the platform. And in the meantime, all the people were getting on, on the train. And my mother is on the platform with me. And she's going, oh, my God, my husband, my brother. And she looks down uh, and she sees that the... There are two men, and, they, and it's my father and, and my uncle. 
so they reunited and um, the story just went on and on. But for years later, when we went to Lithuania, when it regained its freedom, my aunt uh, said that they, they heard at the next station, the, the train was bombed and people were killed. And uh, they thought we were, we were killed. So they were really shocked to find out that we were alive. And my father had the same force as though an angel was pushing him out of the train. Mm. It was a fascinating story and so very true. Wow. Yeah, it's one story that I remember so vividly when you speak of it because I can just imagine that that moment of where we say disruptance <laughs> happening where you, there's so much going on but my grandmother, your mother, had some sort of revelation of peace to get off of that train. So, Gary, why is it that you chose peace to focus on? Well, I spent so much time, Max, photographing war and thinking about war and being immersed in violence and then taking it home with me. And um, that's a pretty despairing way of spending your life. And yeah. uh, and so, you know, after after years of doing that, I, I, I you know, wanted to 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 stop uh, that immersion in violence and and look at something else. And and uh, and I think, you know, the idea of assembling with colleagues a book um, that maybe provided some solutions uh, mm. to to these wars, uh, something that was perhaps you know a practical guide to making peace, if you like, uh, seemed to me to be a, a a nice way to move out of out of that sort of violent space um, mm. that, I, that I'd been in for so long. Have, were you ever woken at night thinking of something traumatic that you had seen, or did you ever go through some of like post-traumatic stress situations from being in these environments? Yeah, I live with post-traumatic stress disorder to this day, as do many of my colleagues. And, uh, and my wife tells me that I, I wake up, you know, frequently, um, still so yes mm. i think it uh it uh it stays with you for for a long time it's a yeah the reminders uh almost every day yeah yeah mama g did you do you still ever have like any kind of nightmares or visions of the war or being in those camps and wake up at night like you feel like you're still there oh when i was younger yes mm -hmm. yes and now now, oh no! Now I sleep very peacefully. Thank <laughs> Good. That makes me happy. That's the word peace. <laughs> you see, the word comes up peace peacefully. <laughs> it sure does. So, Gary, peace seems to be easy to imagine, but it is not yes. something that can be imposed. In the places you've documented, has there been true peace? Well, that's 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 such a good question. I think if you if you look at that dictionary. You know, definition, Max. You know, uh, the absence of war and violence. Then, yes, peace, peace uh, has has uh, exists. But I would say, if we look for a, a slightly, you know, if we have a more challenging definition, which is that civil society can thrive, that people can educate their children and have access to hospitals, and um, you know, live free of fear and 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 um you know practice any religion or or politics that they want then i think you start to see that peace is pretty frayed in many of these countries um and you know if you look for example at northern ireland today uh when britain made the decision to leave the european union the peace in northern ireland that looked very stable for 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 decades all of a sudden starts to look much less stable. So peace remains fragile for, for a very long time. And I think it's important for us as societies, especially coming from, from you know, wealthy, uh, uh, you know, developed countries that are often involved in peace negotiations, it's important for us to, to demand a higher standard of peace than simply the ending of war. And I think in many of these countries, the, the people who live in, in those countries, the ordinary citizens, didn't get the peace that they deserved. You know, when you say peace negotiations, it's one thing that it actually saddens me that we actually have to put those two words together, that we have to negotiate yeah. peace. 
instead of just practice it, live it, enjoy it, celebrate it, and pass it on. It seems something that would be so easy. But why do you think it's so difficult to actually make good peace? Well, it's, you know, very often that the people who negotiate peace are the people who have been fighting the war, you know, very often men. And, and you know, one of the things that, that we discovered j- during the reporting of this book, for example, was the critical, you know, presence of women. If you have women involved, um, women who are not combatants involved in, in, in negotiating peace, you have a much greater chance of success. Uh, and, and, and I think that, you know, it's very difficult for people. We see it in America today, right, uh, who have opposing views to, to find the courage to sit down and engage in a dialogue with somebody who, who they have little in common, let alone have uh, fought uh, for years with. And I think we need to reach inside ourselves and find that courage and, uh, you know, reach across the aisle, as they say uh, in the House. Um, and sit down with your enemies and, and, and see where you can find common ground. And that's a very, very difficult thing to do, to find that courage. It really is. It um, is. It's, it's, yeah. You know, finding the courage to fight a war seems to be easier than finding the courage to make peace. That's true. Now, speaking of courage, what does courage mean to you? I think for me that the courage is, is just that. It's being able to sit down across a table with somebody with whom you have, you know, maybe you know, violent opposition, um, somebody with whom you have nothing in common and, and put out the hand of friendship and say, okay, you know, it's, it's, uh, let's sit down and see where we can find commonality. And mm. for me, that is really courage. It takes, uh, I would argue that having seen war, lived through war, experienced it myself firsthand, I would say it takes much more courage to, to sit down across a table uh, with your enemy than, than fire at him, um, you know, from, from across a field. So uh, I think that for me is, is, is courage. Mm. You know, we're speaking of war so much here right now. What really is the definition of war from your perspective and from your eyes seeing it? I think you know, for, for me, the, the experience of war that, that people like your mother had, um, you know, ordinary civilians uh, who fear separation, who wonder where their next meal is going to come from, who... Uh, you know, are, are, are not just afraid for their lives, but afraid for the future. Uh, I think that's what I focus on when I when I think of war. I photograph war and reported on war from the perspective both of soldiers uh, and um, you know civilians. And I think it's it's the experience of civilians that really um, sticks with me the most. Um, you know, they're very often you know they're unarmed, they have no power. Uh, they're moved around by by very aggressive violent forces, and um, the fear they live with uh, on a daily basis is uh, is truly significant. It is. So you're listening to Max and Friends right now on LA Talk Radio. Hey, Ronan, what is everyone listening to? LA Talk Radio. This is. Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Sushi. Thank you for joining us tonight or during the day or whenever you're listening to us on all the platforms for podcasts that you tune into. You know, sometimes I forget that I'm on a radio show, especially when I'm into a conversation like this. The book, Imagine, Reflections on Peace, the author, Gary Knight. And of course, my mother is joining us here tonight. Mom, we were just talking about war. What does the definition of war mean to you, living through it and being the civilian? A nightmare that never ends. When did it end for you? Well, I think it ended for me as I was getting older, growing up, living in America. Mm-hmm. That that's that's what it meant to me. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. To not have to worry, right? <clears throat> oh, of course. Yeah. So, you know, reconciliation is a big thing. Uh, Gary, what are some of the common elements that can hinder reconciliation and growth? Well, I think, you know, the, the, in, in societies where, where you don't have reconciliation, you, you, you don't have growth, really. It's very, very hard for people to, to overcome the experience they've had uh, in war. And, and I think there's a lot to learn here from South Africa and, and Rwanda, um, who, who uh, impose these sort of local gachacha courts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, millions of people were processed through these courts and had the opportunity to sit down 
uh, with family members of people they had killed, with neighbors who they had attacked and, and whose children they had murdered often and confessed their crimes. And, and, and it was a sort of sense of, it gave society a really a, a sense of closure and it enabled people, um, if not, you know, to forget and uh, even if not to forgive, it gave it gave the victims of crimes the opportunity to to move on, really, and look mm. forward and, and not wonder so much about the past. And I think that's really, really, really critical. And we can learn a lot from that, Max, you know, uh, at home today uh, in, in, in our own societies that are divided. You know that, that process of sort of, if you like, confession and and owning what you did, uh, and mm -hmm. uh, and being honest about it, I think is, is is super important. It is. You know, when you said South Africa, there's a movie called Serafina, and it talks all about um, Soweto and the kids and apartheid and what really how it was the kids that started these movements to basically, I think the quest for everyone and a lot of people, maybe not everyone, but is, do you see me? Do you hear me? And do I matter? And when there's a war, you're not seen, you're not heard, and clearly you don't matter. So to watch the children of Soweto rise up against this, this demon of war, to me is something, again, you know, they depicted it beautifully in the movie Sarafina. If you haven't seen it, I suggest you all who are listening tonight, watch Sarafina, learn about South Africa, learn about Soweto, and learn about what the children, how they were really the ones, you know, Michael Jackson, it was Whitney Houston who said, I believe the children are our future. And Michael Jackson said, be the man that's in the mirror, start with the man in the mirror. So if you want peace, you have to start within yourself to have peace. Now, imagery is something that I love. Obviously, movies mean a lot to me. Um, Mom, is there an, an image that you really remember from being either in the camps or on the train or on the boat or coming to America or during the war that really sticks out to you? Well, I think uh, the the images that you, you know we I've had were uh, when we finally got into uh, a home that was bombed, and we were on the first floor, and the third floor was just uh, the no roof, and there were hundreds of people sleeping on the floor, and sometimes during the night some would commit suicide, and that stayed with me for a very long time. Wow! Wow! Gary, is that something that you heard of, like what my mom said, just seeing other people? Or have you seen it with your own eyes committing suicide because of the war? Oh, yeah. So there's an incredible depression. People lose an awful lot of hope uh, in, 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 in war. And, and, and there's, a, there's a, I think I was once talking to a psychiatrist in, in, uh, in Sarajevo during the war in Bosnia who, who, who said, you know, when I said you know, how shocking it was to see how, 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 you know, depressed people were, and 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 talking about this, the issue of suicide. They said, "Well, it's actually it's that's normal, and if people weren't behaving like that, that would be a surprise." Yeah. Um, so yes, you, and sadly, um, you know, a lot of people just lose hope, especially in long protracted wars. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting because now I call again, I call this coronavirus a silent war. And it was interesting yeah. to see New Yorkers at the beginning of this lose hope so quickly and so rapidly by having to, to stay home. And, you know, sometimes wars, you don't see the bombs, you don't see the guns, you don't see the fire. There is sometimes internal wars that people have with themselves. But the book that we're discussing tonight is a wonderful book. I suggest you all get it called Imagine Reflections on Peace. It's a holiday gift because anything that reflects on peace is something that we should be giving not only during the holidays, but the book is filled with images. So, Gary, tell us about the images in the book and some of the contributors we talked about earlier. But let's talk about the images and if there was any photo in the book that really stood out to you and why did it stand out to you? There, 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 if I could talk about a, a couple, Max, if, if we look at Lebanon, there's a, a series of pictures by the great uh, British war photographer, Don McCullen. And um, in fact, the, the, the opening picture there is, a, is of a group of entirely women and one young boy uh, fleeing from the Carantina uh, refugee camp um, from, from the bombing. And uh, you know what? You, you, you see the camp has been destroyed. It's on fire. And you have this group of women totally, uh, you know, helpless, uh, have no control over the situation they're in, uh, helping a, a grandmother you know, leave the camp. I mean, it's just the, so the book, that's the first essay in the book, and it starts in in total despair. But, you know, 
we revisit many of these countries and and and, and I think some of the pictures for me that, that are the most hopeful are the pictures of Rwanda and as you you said very eloquently mm. earlier in the program um, it was so hard to imagine you know back in the 1990s that Rwanda would ever be able to recover uh, and and while there are problems in Rwanda, no question, um, its recovery really has been uh, remarkable. And mm. there's a beautiful picture in 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 uh, in the in the book uh, of of uh, you know um, a group of motorcycle taxi drivers. Uh, it's a very ordinary, simple picture, um, but they're all wearing you know reflective vests and helmets, and they're organised and they're smiling and they're happy and they're working. Uh, and you know, it's an image really that is a metaphor for a society that is that is on the mend and has come to terms with you know one of the great, most terrible genocides of of last century. Mm. Yeah, so I'm, I still every time I hear about it, there is also strikes up an anger in me because if only you know there was social media then. How could it have been stopped sooner? You know, what would have been the outcome if people were documenting it more rapidly? You know, it's like it just it disturbs me so much because it's, I feel that it was during a time when so much could have happened to stop it. You know, and um, it's Absolutely. it's what it is. Now, there was a question that I had. And I'm going to remember it in just a moment because I'm just caught up with the Rwanda <laughs> for a minute. But um Yes. Yeah, so the question that I had for you was peace. Would you be able to say, and seeing it firsthand, that peace is obtainable after war? Yeah, I think it is. And 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 you know, Jonathan Powell, who uh, was was uh, a, a negotiator for the British government in in Northern Ireland, um, he 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 writes a fantastic uh, forward to the book, actually essay to the book intro. And in there, he says that, that there is no such thing as a conflict that cannot be solved. There's mm. only one that hasn't been solved yet. And I think that is a you know fantastic way of, of of looking at it. And if you if you look at Northern Ireland, if you look at South Africa, you know when 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 you and I were younger, I think they're two conflicts that we would have said, "Gosh, you know, how on earth can they be solved? How can that those countries be, mm-hmm. be put back together again?" And yet here we are. And so today, when we look at, at countries you know, like Israel and Palestine, which seems to be just a, the unsolvable, intractable, intractable problem, I think there is hope that it, that it, that it, um, that, that it can be solved. And, and Shimon Peres says in the book, you know, um, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We, we just don't know where the tunnel is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that you know, there is no such thing as, as, a, as a conflict that can't be, can't be yeah. solved. You know, and in crisis, there's opportunity, too. So I think that's something yeah. to remember. You know, when there is a crisis, opportunity is available. And again, you know, we are the conscious creators. We can create the reality of peace if we so desire it. But let's discuss a circumstance, um, a particular circumstance, let's say, that um, during your war coverage that has made a significant impact on your life. Mm-hmm. My goodness, there are <laughs> there are really yeah very very many actually. Um, it's hard to know where to start, but I think for you, know, for me, I would say the war in Iraq, the invasion of Iraq, was really it wasn't the last war, but that was the war that I covered where you know I decided that I didn't want to uh, cover war anymore. I didn't want to experience that level of of violence anymore. Um, and, and I think, you know, for me that I didn't see the point in that war. And, and when I was there, I witnessed so much death, not only of Iraqi civilians, but of, of U.S. Marines. Um, and when I, you know, arrived in Baghdad with the Marines who, who I, who I you know, invaded the country with, I remember the colonel there, um, uh, he and I were, were, were talking about, you know, what we just experienced and what was coming next. And, and, Newsweek, who I was working for, had asked me to to photograph pictures of liberation. And he said to me, you know, Gary, this isn't a liberation. This is an occupation. Um, and it's going to be a very, very long one. And, 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 and I, t- you know, I thought at that time, my goodness, you know, do I have it in me to, to spend <laughs> the next 10 years photographing this, this lengthy occupation? And, and, mm. uh, and I decided that actually pretty much that day to turn around and go home, which is, which is what I did. Wow. Your life is like the movie Up Close and Personal, but you actually, you came home. Did you ever think there was a point that you weren't going to come home? 
Yes, I think you. It's it's that's that's such a great question, and and I'm mindful that my wife might be listening to this show at some point. But but uh, um, yeah, there were certainly many moments where where I thought, wow, you know, I've got myself into a bit of a scrape here. How on earth am I am I going to get out of it? But um, but I think it, it, you know, when I was a young man, like many young men, mix, I, I, I had that sort of confidence that I could get through uh, anything. And I think as I got older, I realized that uh, that that wasn't the case. So I think, you know, war is a young man's game. Um, uh, but yes, there were many, many times in all of these wars where uh, where tomorrow seemed to be somewhat more distant than normal. Mm. Mom, did you ever think there was going to be a tomorrow when you were a child? Yes. What was it yes. that gave you that promise? Uh, my faith in my mother's faith in God. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. carried you through. That carried you through. Absolutely, it really did. Well, speaking of carrying through, we've got to carry through onto the end of the show because it's that time. So, for all of you who are tuning in, go get the book "Imagine Reflections on Peace" by Gary Knight. Gary Knight, before I let you go, is peace possible? Yes, it is. It just requires a lot of work and we've got to want it really badly and we've got to celebrate the peacemakers, not the war makers. Mm. And what is it that you want your legacy to be, Gary? Wow, that is a stunning question. Um, I would I would like my legacy to be that, that, that of somebody who was trying to find solutions, really, rather than just focusing on problems as a mm. journalist and as a photographer. And this book is a solution? I hope so. Well, part right. of so, a solution. Part of a solution. It will, well, if anything, it makes us think, right? Absolutely. It makes us think about peace. So where can people buy the book? So you can buy it on um, Amazon, of course, but also on reflectionsonpeace.org, um, which is our own website. Um, and, uh, you know, it's as you say, it's a great anthology. It's a, it's a beautifully designed book. It's a beautiful object, and uh, I think it would make a, a fantastic holiday present. Absolutely. But I couldn't let you go without talking about your foundation, because it's almost as too much as given, much as required. So tell us about your foundation before I let you go. Yeah, so the Seven Foundation does, does two things. We, we, we work on long-term projects like this, very involved projects um, that try to find solutions to seemingly intractable, intractable problems. And we also run uh, an academy which is located, one is located in France and the other in Bosnia, in Sarajevo, uh, which offers um, free uh, training in journalism and media practice to men and women um, from non-G20 countries and from the majority world. So people from communities who are underrepresented and can't afford it uh, mm. normally. And where can people get more information on that? So if you go to uh, the7foundation.org, and seven is spelt V-I-I, it's the Roman spelling. So uh, the V-I-I foundation.org. Beautiful. And I would imagine you take donations? We do, very greatly. Thank you for mentioning that, Max. (laughs) Absolutely. No, because if people, listen, if you want peace, sometimes you have to donate to peace. So, right. So get that in your groove and your Christmas spirit. We've got to get going holiday spirit because we have a holiday song that we're going to play here. But Gary, is there another book that's coming from you or what's next? So this is the the project that we're focusing on now. It will be exhibited uh, also uh, all over Europe and in the United States. So the exhibition will be coming to the States uh, towards the end of next year or in 2022. Uh, and uh, we'll, we're going to see this project through for the next three or four years uh, before we embark on another one. So, uh, Beautiful. When you embark on the next one and whenever you need to promote this one, you're always welcome here on Max and Friends. Thank you, Max. Appreciate it. And very nice to be with you and, and, and with your mother. Goodbye, Gina. Thank, Thank you. you. I can't wait to read your book. Well, mom, you're getting one for Christmas, so (laughs) there you go. All right, everyone, I thank you all for tuning in. We're going to play Happy Holidays in just a moment. But before that, Gary, thank you so much. And have a wonderful evening and a wonderful rest of your your week ahead. Great pleasure. Thanks, Max. Absolutely. And mom, the same to you. But before I let you all go, remember, peace is something you can create. It's a conscious creation. It really is. And you have the ability to create it in this present moment right now. You can create 
peace now. So I encourage you to do so. And until next time, I love you for listening. Remember to take life to the max. I'm your host, Max Succi for Max and Friends. Good night and good karma. But right now, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. May the calendar keep ringing. Happy holidays to you. If your burdens are with trouble, if your nerves are wearing